This is a Podcast 225 production. The issues. What's going on now? What's happening in the state? The people. Carl Dabity. We've got Michael Shingle, Taylor Moore, Jay Darden, Congressman Garrett Gray, Richard Condon. He is Ryan Clark, Sharon Weston Broom. The podcast. And we're going to talk about that. This is the Clay Young Show. Up, up, and away we go with another edition of the Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com and on the Apple Podcast app. What's going on, folks? It's hot down here in South Louisiana. <laughs> and it's the summertime, moving into Independence Day, pretty close, right around the corner. And that means that the summer really slows because there's not a whole lot going on. But we're here talking with you about the things that are happening in and around this community and around the country, and I am very glad to be doing that. Today, we're going to have a great conversation with a gentleman who is an attorney in Baton Rouge, uh, an assistant district attorney in East Baton Rouge Parish, and has a compelling story to tell, talking about law enforcement and being involved in the community, but also the perspective that many may not understand. In fact, his name is Will Jordan, and we sat down a couple of weeks ago as I sit to record the open and the close for this week's show. And I really enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> I might make reference uh, in the end of the show about uh, an off-the-air conversation we had about something that he and Terrence Lockett were clearly wrong on, clearly wrong. And I'll spend some time trying to Show them the error of their ways on that issue. No, all jokes aside, it, uh, Will Jordan is, I think, a compelling personality and someone who has a lot to contribute. And, you know, we had a good conversation. I think you will enjoy what you hear. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at OpenEyesSafetyTraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. This is The Clay Young Show. Back with Will Jordan, who is an assistant district attorney 
in East Baton Rouge Parish, 19th JDC, uh, under Hiller Moore, who's a who's a good friend of mine, as 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 much as it pains me to say out loud, and uh, <laughs> and Will Will and I have uh, been together in the community. We do these canvases, as you know. As fact, I'm I, as it's kind of ironic. I'm in a truce polo shirt today. Just so happens. Just so happens, you know. And and we the last time we saw each other. Uh, after my fundraiser a few weeks ago was out on a canvas in in uh, Old South Baton Rouge, and so we'll work our way to that. But but first, let's let's kind of introduce people to who the hell Will Jordan is, and so let's talk about why you decided to get in law, where you're from. Just let's just tell us your story. Sure, um, it's it's funny. I haven't actually told this story in a while, um, but I used to tell it all the time. Uh, pertinent part, uh, my family. My mom and my dad, both sides of the family, are from Louisiana. Just start there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mom from North Louisiana, dad from New Orleans. Um, when they got married, made, they decided to move out to California, like a lot of people from the South do. You know, you Which hear is about ironic, that, right? but that is a big, big thing. Yeah, California, or Chicago. I think that's what it is. That's where everybody goes. And in this case, uh, they go out to LA. That's where I'm born. Um, I'm out there for about 10 years. Okay. Then I come back to Louisiana, the New Orleans area, uh, stay with my dad. How was it in the movie Boys in the Hood? Trey, go live with your daddy. You know, it was one of those types of situations. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I'm living with my dad. I, that's where I go to high school in uh, in New Orleans. Um, what up, school? Uh, McMaine. Okay. Mighty, mighty McMaine Mustangs. Yeah. Proud Mustangs. Yeah. Uh, played ball, did all the good stuff. Uh, college was interesting. Um, I'm kind of going off on it, but you know, all of the little things that make up a person. I had a scholarship to go and play at Auburn. Please don't shoot me, right? Outside, I was reaching for it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Um, but it was uh, that was 1999. Uh, That was the year that they came under NCAA uh, sanctions. Right. One of the scholarships that got taken away was mine. So now it's February, Marchish, and I have no school to go to. So I need to go to school. Right. I got a buddy of mine that was uh, taking a visit up to Millsaps in Jackson. I go to Millsaps. I find out a little bit more about the school, great academics, et cetera. I uh, end up going to Millsaps, and, and that's where I spent the next four years of my life at Millsaps. Um, after graduating from Millsaps, came back to New Orleans. I worked in the restaurant business, uh-huh. uh, Metairie Country Club. I was a busboy, a waiter, uh, worked my way up to being the Mater D. Um, it's at this point in time where, um, what sent me on my path to go to law school or to be in, uh, in, involved in the law uh-huh. where this actually comes up. I'm, uh, taking a trip with my uncle. Uh, we end up having to go to Alabama, uh, to take care of some business. I say Alabama, it might've been actually, we were going to Georgia, but the, uh, the, 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 the moment takes place in Alabama we're pulled over coming back it's in in a small town I want to say right outside of Enterprise Alabama if anybody's familiar with Enterprise Alabama we're in a rental car two black men my uncle who is and let me just say this he's also a pharmacist Mm -hmm. so you know educated guy graduated from Xavier and this is what he does and me at the time again college graduate I'm working in the restaurant business etc we get pulled over and a uh, cop, he follows us, I want to say, for about about two miles down the road. We saw him on the side when we passed him. He said we were speeding. May have been. I don't know. 
And then when he walks up to the side of the window, the passenger side where I am, he says, uh, all right, I smell weed in the car. Tell me where y'all got it from. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you'll be all right. This is a true story. This is this is my story. OK, we don't have weed in the car. Um, I'll tell you what we were doing, but, you know, we're going about our business. We're headed back to New Orleans. He at this point takes us out of the vehicle. I'm at the back. My uncle is in the front. And he begins to question me about, you know, who am I? What is my uncle's relation to me? You know, what are we doing? It's all of this other good stuff. And at the same time, he's asking my uncle the same thing. I look up and next thing I know, I see about six or seven patrol cars. Right. I mean, coming out of both ways, both directions. The dogs are there. Oh, man. They're sniffing the car. Um, it wasn't a scary experience. It was more of a bewildering, befuddled. Surreal. Yeah, you know. And uh, so now they're searching the car. They're doing all this stuff. Of course, they find absolutely nothing. And um, the guys start kind of laughing about it with us. And, and it's, well, the thing is, man, we we really, we really got to watch this. I think there may have been some drugs in this car before. Mind you, it's a rental car. Um, but the reason why we're stopping is because we just had a big hit uh, recently. And he tells me this. It was a guy that was on, like I think it was a naval base or a naval guy, and he had pounds of marijuana at the time. Now, he finally lets us go. We were out there for about two, three hours yeah. on the side of the road all this time. It was at this point when I said, I hear what he just said, but I think that was bull. Okay. Okay. Um, it was at that point where I decided, uh, because at the before that time, I wanted to be in the FBI. I wanted to be an FBI agent. And um, the guys, uh, the FBI recruiters, they told me, look, this is, you know, after 9-11. Well, yeah, this is after 9-11. Um, and they were saying that they're taking guys, but they're looking for guys that either have uh, the foreign language, the uh, Arabic. Uh-huh. Um, and they're looking at those guys with kind of like chemist backgrounds, I think. And I didn't have either of those. Um, but they said, if you go to law school, we're going to get you. So I was always kind of looking at it, but I wasn't serious about it. It was at that point I said, I'm going to get serious about this and I'm going to law school. I didn't know in what capacity um, or how exactly. I was going to be able to turn that experience into what I'm doing. But I knew that I needed to know the law better. I needed to have knowledge to be able to prepare myself and to be better equipped in certain situations. Sure. Like that. Fast forward. Um, I end up getting into Southern uh, for law school. Uh, I worked a little bit more after the restaurant business in Katrina. I, I ended up working and doing some other stuff. I ended up blue collar work. I built scaffolds. Uh-huh. Uh, over there at a Dow Chemical Plant. Um, I did all kinds of stuff. Go to law school. Um, I started working in the criminal defense clinic um, under uh, Professor Donald North. And um, it's there that I really started to learn this criminal law procedure and evidence. And while I'm doing that, I realized, okay, I need, I, I can be pretty good at this. I, I was actually at the top of my classes in all of the procedure classes. I said, I can really do this. Um, but but I need to get out there and practice. So at that point, I go back uh, back home after I graduate and pass the bar. I'm back in New Orleans. I take the job as a prosecutor. Um, I'm there. 
I'm realizing that to be able to change things, you have to know things and um, staying true to myself. I believe that I was one of the best prosecutors in that office, in Leon Canizero's office. I didn't violate my own ethics. I didn't violate my own code, but I prosecuted with the best of them. I tried murders, rapists, uh, armed robbers, sure. burglaries, everything. And uh, I was good. I was getting convictions. Um, and But it was to the point where where at the same time, I'm, I know that I'm weighing the entire picture. I'm looking at everything. What do you mean weighing the entire picture? Sure. Well, as a prosecutor, a prosecutor has immense discretion. A pro- just because something is in a book and says, if you do this or if you do that, then that means that this is the law that was violated. You have latitude. You have complete latitude, right? But when you're first starting out, you don't know what you don't know, <laughs> if that makes sense. And you live in black and white. Correct. N- learning nuance takes experience. Nuance takes experience. You become almost a zealot. It's like anything. You got it. Yeah. And what happens is a lot of young prosecutors, I mean, they can go overboard really, really, really fast yeah. because they're forgetting that the people that are on that other side, they're human beings, right. too. Right. You know, you have to take in the totality of a person. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, look, man, there's something that I said. I said it then and I'll say it even since I've been here in Baton Rouge. You look at some of these guys, like 85 percent of the people that come in there are people yeah. that make a mistake. Yeah. People that just do something stupid. Absolutely. You know, product of, well, this is kind of what I've seen. This right. is what mom used to do. This is yeah. what dad used to do. Yeah. Uncle, cousin, whatever. But there's about 15, maybe 20 percent of the guys when you, and, but you have to learn to tell the difference when you mm-hmm. look in that guy's eyes and you say, "Nah, this guy, he doesn't want to follow anybody's sets right. of rules. He wants to maim murder. He wants to see it burn down. Absolutely. And there is that's nuance. not everybody. That's not everybody. That's not everybody. And it takes a skill to yeah. uh, figure out the difference. So, again, while I'm honing that skill in New Orleans um, and figuring it out, I did pretty well. Um, and then uh, by around 2014, I get the call to come up. What I like to say, you know, liking it to triple A ball going up to right. the big league. That's right. That's right. I get the call to come up here to Baton Rouge. Um, and since I've been here in Baton Rouge, I've tried again some of those very, very difficult cases, some of the best cases. And when I say best, I mean some of the biggest. So there, um, I, I kind of want to work back and then sure. work our way this way uh, again. Let's go back to that night. Sure. Was it a, was it a night or an afternoon or well, what was it? It started off as an afternoon and then it ended up a night. Okay. So let's go back to yeah. So I have sons. Mm-hmm. I have sons and a daughter, but but specifically my sons. I shared with them a very similar experience. Sure. I I told them about something that happened. Uh, this happened back when I was in college. It wasn't here, but it was in Louisiana. And so you took that. I, I'm. Tr- I want you to explain for me the nexus you made between that day and believing you needed to be an attorney. Sure. Uh, on that day, mm-hmm. on that side of that road, I was helpless. Yeah. There's so many people out here that don't know their rights, don't know the law, mm-hmm. or whatever that means. You know, there. I'm asked all the time now too. 
can you do a know your rights ceremony uh, a program? What are your rights? Know your rights and all that. And I said, well, it depends. That varies, right? It depends on the situation. Depends on you know what it is. At the end of the day, you need to. How do they say it now? You need to make sure you survive the encounter or whatever. Yeah, I, that that's that's the thing. That's Man, never that, been an issue for that me. can apply to a lot of things Absolutely. in society now. Unfortunately, Absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately, we've gotten there. But I say this. I said I knew at that point, no matter what it was, that something happened here that I didn't like. You know, you'd hear you'd heard those buzzwords about profiling. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy admitted it on the side of the road. Right. Yeah. But I don't it's not connecting. Mm -mm. I knew I needed to change my circumstances, though. How I knew that this could be a value to me, how I knew that it could be a value to me. And this is also going through the process. Mm -hmm. While I didn't necessarily know then it was going through law school and then eventually coming out and being a prosecutor when I realized the prosecutor is the ultimate good guy. See, that's why I asked the question about the nexus, uh, because you didn't go to law school to become a defense attorney. You went. And so. To me, that is an interesting nuance on this that I, I actually understand because the system, it is easier from the inside to be an architect for change you, in the right way. You hit the nail on the head. And, and this is and, and really kind of to put it together, it, it kind of goes to when I join the clinic, the criminal defense clinic at uh-huh. Southern, the, the value of that and why that was so important. While I was there, I was defending folks, mostly misdemeanor stuff, yeah. you know, possession of marijuana, some college students yeah. here, you know, doing knucklehead stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, being college kids. Being college kids, right? Yeah. Simple stuff, right? But every now and then I get I get an idiot that's just, I mean, this guy's not getting it. Right. <laughs> right? He's not getting it regardless. Right. And it was while I'm doing this, you know, I'm trying to give some advice. I'm like, look, when you're coming into court, just simple things. Yeah. You don't want to look like a criminal. Right. Pull your pants up. Uh-huh. Wear, wear your church clothes, maybe. You know, this is what you're saying. These right. are things that people understand, right? And it's kind of the way that you present yourself. You can look a little bit better. You want to put forth the best you. Uh-huh. I'm not saying that you want to be fake. I'm not right. saying that you want to be phony. Right. Put forth the best you. Right. Right? Because this is what you're doing. This is, a, this is important. It was d- during that time when I realized when I was working as a student defense attorney, I realized that while I might be able to help one guy right here, Uh one guy right there in this particular instance, Uh I look across the table and I see that prosecutor over there and I'm like, man, this guy can make an effect or have an effect on every single person that comes in this room. Explain. What do I mean by that? It's that prosecutor who has every single file, who sees every single defendant, Uh who if is brought the proper or any type of mitigation, right? Um, well, look, this is, you know, defense attorney, let's say Mr. Lockett walks in. Mr. Uh-huh. Lockett, this is one of my good buddies that's sitting in the room with uh-huh. us. Uh-huh. Let's say Mr. Lockett, who's in law school now, comes in representing the kid, and he lets me know who's the, I'm the prosecutor. He says, well, um, I've got this young man. He got into some trouble. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, he's a single father. Uh, he needed to try to be able to provide for his kids. Yeah. Uh, he just got let go from his job. However, however, 
The guy has no criminal history. Uh-huh. Um, you can see, in addition to trying to work, he was also taking classes, trying to better himself. Uh-huh. Let's say he was in a trade school. Sure. Uh, he brings me information that, oh, all the, by the way, he was also helping to take care of a sick relative. And then he shows me some other things, some some conditions for where uh, uh, he's done some community service. Yeah. Let's say even gone and taken some some drug counseling classes, you know. Just standard. This is mitigation. I'm showing you this guy is not the mistake that he made. Uh-huh. Simple enough. The prosecutor can look at all of that and the prosecutor can say, yes, I see that. I will give this person an opportunity. I will give this person a chance. I will say that this person doesn't have to have his life. And, and, and I, I, I pause to say wrecked. But at the very least, diverted uh-huh. to make it that much more difficult for a guy that already had all of these issues in his life. On paper, it's going to make his life a lot more difficult. <sighs> it, 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 unfathomably, uh-huh. almost. Uh-huh. Or I could even, as a prosecutor, I can look at a guy and I can see base things on my own. And then I can now tell the defense attorney, look, if this guy wants to get an opportunity to get it together... Give me some conditions. Give me some mitigation. Show me what he can do. Right. And I can do that on my own. Right. I can have a guy go out and do things on his own. See, I think that it's a big deal. It is a big deal. And I think for a lot of people listening, it is is a perspective that you don't often see or read about. In fact, if 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 you are a fan of any of the the kid from a tough situation who wanted to fix the fix the reality or the system on say in television or in a movie they almost always become a defense attorney they they rarely ever go into the other side of it which i think is where where the need is you know man we were i referenced earlier that we were in uh, old south baton rouge and i just had a conversation earlier before we sat down to do this with a good friend of mine and we were talking about how people shouldn't live in absolutes as it relates to others. For instance, I don't think people should look at folks in poor situations, specifically African-American males and look at every one of them and see a criminal. I also don't believe people should look at a law enforcement officer, specifically white male law enforcement officers, and see someone who's corrupt, who wants to step on someone's constitutional rights and liberties. I do think in the midst of every group, there are those who meet the stereotype. But living in absolutes is so dangerous. Now, I said I say all that to set up the question I'm about to ask you. So you get to determine looking at the law, which in many cases can be seen in absolutes, how and why you will apply it so that the end result is justice. That's it. So then how do you do that? It takes it takes time. But one of the things that you also do, and this is, I guess, kind of where I was going in trying to wrap it mm-hmm. back up to that mm-hmm. pulled on the side of the road, because we still hadn't really got there yet. The value in it is, well, you can also look at it in applying the law, the other aspects that you do know, because what's left out in, okay, we see we see traffic stop A Mm -hmm. and we see X amount of narcotics or whatever the case may be. Right. That's recovered. Right. But what we what we've left out and what we also look at is what are the circumstances in which this stuff is recovered? 
now we put on our constitutional law hats. Now it becomes important to understand your Fourth Amendment rights, uh, Fifth Amendment rights, uh-huh. and eventually going down the line, even Sixth Amendment rights, right? If and after you get past certain points. And what I mean by that is I'm always looking if there are suppression issues, if it looks like an officer did something wrong. So now we get back on the side of the road. And let's say it turns out a little bit differently for me. How so? Let's say it turns out a little bit. Let's say the officer does find marijuana in the back of the car. Okay. You know, I'm just saying. I know I wasn't smoking any marijuana. We didn't have any marijuana. Right, right. Hypothetical purposes. Yeah. Now, in the back of my mind, let's play it out. All right. Well, this officer, he already said he pulled us over and he he really didn't have any probable cause. Uh He just pulled us over because he had a hunch. Right. Knowing what I know now, you're able to counter that because you can see, well, this officer pulled this guy over for no reason. He didn't write us a ticket for speeding. He didn't have any radar. He didn't have anything. So I know that what that officer did was invalid. So if we go into a court of law and if the officer has pulled us over and now we actually go in and we have to fight this case, even as a prosecutor, Mm -hmm. I'm able to look at that and I see, well, you say you pulled him over for speeding, but I don't see a radar. Tree's poisonous. I don't see anything. Yeah. You know what it is. Yeah. Fruit of the poisonous tree. That's right. This stop is bad and you can get out of here. So now how we tie that back in as a prosecutor, I can see it from the door Mm -hmm. and I'm able to now I can call in that officer and I can say, look, this hunch that you said you had when you saw these two black men coming down the road and, and you just said, let me do this because of that. That's not right. So now it's a team moment as well. It's a teaching moment. And it goes to what you're saying with that. You can't see every officer and say, well, he's just a corrupt guy. That officer may have been thinking in his mind, may have, that I'm doing the right thing. I got a hunch and this is the car and I got to stop these guys from poisoning my community. Right. But at the end of the day, even if that's the case, how you went about doing it is wrong. Yep. So when we go back to answer your question. How do you do that? You look at everything. Uh-huh. It takes time and it takes skill. It takes skill. You can't wake up uh, the first day and say, this is an injustice. Uh-huh. This is a this is a violation. I'm saying you can't be a young lawyer that just says, this is wrong. I see X, Y, Z, and now I'm going to go at it. No, 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 no. You have to be able to apply the skills that you learn, the mechanism, the mechanics of actually the practice of law. Right. This isn't just I see something, therefore it is. Right. You have to be able to go through the steps of actually being able to evaluate, looking at, again, constitutional issues, looking at uh, the elements of a crime, uh-huh. looking at what the code says regarding the elements, sentencing provisions. You have to look at everything. And it takes time. It's just learning how to actually do that. So how do you walk the fine line between the very good way you explained latitude used properly and staying on that line that but without falling into being called in any way an activist or or, or <laughs> applying activism or using activism as as a mechanism of how you apply your job well that's hard mm-hmm. it is difficult and i'm not i'm not going to deny that um i can probably be challenged any day now <laughs> you know uh, so anybody can pull up any of my cases so and, and take a look at it and see how i handle things um how how do I do that? I, uh, first of all, I put my faith in God. Um, and uh, before I do any big decision or before I do any, 
any major activity. Mm-hmm. I mean, even speaking engagements. Right. I always ask for discernment. Right. Discernment. Right. I ask to guide my mind, guide mm-hmm. my thoughts, guide my words. Allow me to use the information and the knowledge and the experiences and do it in the right way. That's yep. all I ask for. Yep. I don't ask to say, make this work out in my favor. <laughs> you <laughs> know, prayer, brother. You know, but 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 in that, you know, and, and and again, we're not just relying on that. We also look at we also look at numbers. We look at yeah. data. We yeah. look at. Uh, I'm big on all of that, and yeah. where I'm going with that is. Um, fortunately, within these past close to 10 years of me being a prosecutor, I've been involved in an organization called the National Black Prosecutors Association. Okay. And within that organization, I've been um, vice president of the local Louisiana chapter of the National Black Prosecutors. We actually started a chapter here. I was a southern regional director, um, and that was the region was Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, in Arkansas. Wow. And then I actually moved up. I was elected uh, na- on the national level. I was elected to uh, national president. And I served uh, as many terms as I could as right. the national president. In fact, now I'm currently the immediate past president. Where I'm going with that is I have the pleasure of learning best practices mm-hmm. because uh, I have my hands um in a whole bunch of different pots and pies yeah, yeah. and I get to see what's going on all across the country. Sure. So we're learning uh, about uh, best practices. Right. Right. Um, so it's not just relying solely on myself and my own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's an issue that they're facing in Baltimore, uh, Maryland or the Bronx, New York, um, um, Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, Seattle, Washington, uh, Orlando, Florida, um, Atlanta, Georgia. I have the phone numbers of all of these district attorneys uh, based on the network that mm-hmm. I've had the, the privilege of being in, uh, going across the country, speaking, uh, lecturing, uh, and learning um, so I can see it. Again, if, so if we're facing similar problems here in Baton Rouge, I have the ability to be able to reach out and learn. So when we're talking about different drug issues, when we're talking about um, um, drug court, when we yeah. talk about reentry court, when we talk about, oh God, uh, bail reform, that's a hot topic now across <laughs> the country. Yeah. I'm able to actually reach out to the folks that are dealing with it as well on the front line, and I'm learning from them as well and seeing mm-hmm. what are the best practices, looking at empirical data, looking at the actual numbers, and being able to see, okay, well, how can that actually work and how does that relate here in Baton Rouge? So it's a wealth, it's a wealth of a uh, of information that I have access to. Let me ask you about perspectives. Sure. So here in South Louisiana and really across the country now, people jump to, and here's that word again, absolutes, especially on social media, which is often a cesspool of misinformation. And someone sees you and you have to deal with the duality of these perspectives. So someone who lives, who who doesn't live in an inner city community sees a crime committed and they want you to hang them high. Someone in the inner city sees you as a prosecutor who also happens to be African American. And they're thinking, Oh man, you're not, you're not for us. You're against us. You're just here to put us in jail. Now, neither of those realities are accurate. Neither one of them are. Quite frankly, you just explained about how, without using the phrase, you take every case on its own merits and use common sense as well as the law to apply how you're going to approach it. You've already explained it. But those two perspectives exist. Sure. So I'd like you to speak to that. Like, you know, what? How does it make you feel? What do you do about it? I mean, what comes to mind with it? Uh, Well, first thing that comes to mind is funny uh, when you say this. I mean, it's not funny, but, you know, 
everybody's seen or heard of Barbecue Betty. I think that's what it was. It was actually the young lady in Oakland, California. Uh, she called the police on a guy who was barbecuing, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think she was saying, well, they're out here using the coals and this is a violation. I mean, she was on the phone. And she was calling the police and then they recorded her doing this. And she's like, come get these come get these folks or whatever. They're, they're violating the law. All right, fine. And then after you see that, you saw, I think it was Sidewalk Patty or something like that. There was a little girl in another area. She was selling bottled water outside of, if I'm not mistaken, it was her own building. And I think there was a woman that called the police on this little girl. Like, I mean, you know, you're seeing her. She's like an eight-year-old girl. Right. Uh, You saw the guys at Starbucks. They were meeting with a a, one of their like business guys. It was a realtor. They were trying to do an actual business deal. Graduate school, young man or something. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think they were they got the police called on them because they were loitering. And if you couldn't see it, that's air quotes, right? (laughs) No, they can't see it. And yes, he did do air quotes. So 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 you see all of this, and there was a rash of people being. Being having the police called on them for, I guess, for lack of a better term, for being black, just doing normal people things, right? Yeah. And that was extremes. I, I had the, I had the opportunity to speak. Uh, it was on a Philadelphia radio station. Uh, I got uh, called up. They wanted me to speak on that and kind of give a perspective on it, mm-hmm. a national perspective. And I'm like, look, what we what we're missing in all of this is a little bit of civility, right? Right. That's just it's just some common sense and civility. Works both ways. You know, it works both ways. Man. And if you just take some time, because I'm I'm telling you, man, there were people that were outraged and they're saying, Why aren't these folks that are calling the police, why aren't they getting the police called on them for filing false police reports? Well, I'm like, Well, that's not a false police report. Technically, what they're calling on, they're calling what they perceive to be certain infractions of the law. Right. right? right. And to explain that to somebody is difficult right. because they don't, they don't, they don't see it that way, but I'm like, well, well this is what it is. It's, it's technically it's correct. Even though it's stupid. Correct. It's yeah. stupid. Yeah. Right. I'm like, and, and, and what we're doing is when we see a rise in this across mm-hmm. the country, you know, or, or the person, I think I saw a video the other day. It was a guy who was picking up trash outside of his dorm room, part of his work study detail. Yeah. And I'm looking at the cops and and on the whole film, the cops are saying, look, I'm over here. I need to see your ID because uh, this is on Facebook. I can't remember where it was at, though. I need to see your ID because I know there's some loitering that's been taking place. Uh, and I want to make sure that you belong here. Now, this guy, you can clearly see him holding a bucket full of trash. Mm-hmm. And you can see him with the trash picker-upper thing, right? right? Now, I don't know the proper name for it. but as Hell, the video, I don't know. <laughs> you know but as the video progresses. <laughs> he knows everything. As the, as, the, as the video progresses, and this is the thing, the officer starts saying, I'm threatened because you have that thing in your hand. I'm like, officer, this is what I'm saying to myself. I'm like, officer, you know that that's a trash pickup. And even if he decided to swing that thing at you, it's probably going to break. It'll break. For It'll sure. break before right. anything happens. But this is what I'm saying. There's, so now the situation, it goes on and on and on for minutes and minutes and minutes. And there's just no sense of civility. Right. Because I see an officer who who has to be right, right. because the guy, he's not stopping. Mm-hmm. He's still picking up trash. Yeah. He's still doing what he's doing. And so you see and, and, and you'll see the fractions uh, or the factions. They'll say, well, he's not he's not complying. So the officer has that right. He's resisting. And then you see the, the, the folks on the other side saying, well, why is the officer so hell bent? On getting this guy to just stop picking up trash. He right. gave him his student ID or right. he showed him X, Y, Z. Sure. And he told him he even lives there. Why is that not enough? So, again, 
It's a lack of common yep. civility. Yep. Where this could have been avoided by both parties. Dude, just act like just a grown stop. up. It's like, hey man, just, I live here. This is my ID. I'm just picking up trash. You know, you know how I say that could have been handled better? Yes, I think the officer did handle that wrong, but I think the student handled it wrong too. It could have been handled by both sides. Really? Because let me tell you what the student could have done. Sure. You're asking me to stop. This is a this is extremely inconvenient. Everything is being filmed. I'm gonna sit down for a second. I'm going to go ahead on and I'm going to get my actual ID because this is what he said. Even though he gave me student ID, he said it doesn't have your address on. We can go in here and we can get I'll take the extra 10 minutes out of my day and I'll go ahead on and I'll have the folks come down here and verify that I live here. Right. But guess what? As soon as I do that, I'm getting your badge number, I'm ah, getting your okay. information. And now we're going to file this complaint because this is beyond unreasonable. Right. This is right. excessive and this is stupid. Right. And later on in that same video, you see it was a, a guy who comes in. He was like a faculty advisor or something. He never asked for any ID from this guy, but he just takes his word that, yeah, this guy is a student. He was work studying. and he lives here. The only difference is that guy's white. Now, wow. I see that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that could have handled that. That could have handled. I'll take my 10 minutes out of right. my time. But this is what we're about to do. Right. And I'm getting all your information. And this complaint is happening. It's it's interesting. Uh, I, look, that's that's good perspective and wisdom. And especially now, because people go from zero to 100 in terms of anger sure. nowadays. I mean, you know, there was a time coming up where. It, something would happen, you bump into somebody or something, and it's like, oh, my bad. <laughs> it's different nowadays, man. You got to keep your head on a swivel now. Man, with look, s cell phones, everything is being recorded. Absolutely. Everybody wants fame. Yep. Everybody wants notoriety. Yep. It's, it's, in fact, I wouldn't even say fame. It's infamy. Yeah. It's like, oh, I went viral. Right. That's the thing. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people. You know, I had a guy talk to me the other day about um, there was a homeless guy. Uh, it's just downtown area, and he was like, uh -huh. you know, I see this guy, or whatever, and 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 the conversation ends up evolving from helping somebody to yeah. helping somebody on camera, right? right? And I am so opposed to any me of that too. stuff. Me too. So me too. Me too. Me too. Me too. In fact, I I don't believe I, I just what such a great point, and I won't go off on a tangent. I'll sure. just say that it is. I think it's counterproductive to help someone. But have to be seen doing it. Yeah, what are you doing it for? What are you doing it for? It's uh, uh, my wife and I. We were sitting down. We were watching an old episode of Martin. It was an it was an episode. I think it was a Christmas episode when Martin took off his Jordans and gave a pair of Jordans to. I think it was a homeless kid. Now, I'm fine with the gesture. This isn't necessarily the same thing. But you know what? I'm also thinking in my mind. I can't help it. Okay, so you're giving this homeless kid some Jordans, a kid that's got to be out on the street. You know that kid's probably gonna get robbed. Oh, it's no question. Or worse. Or worse. Or worse. <laughs> it, because you have to think about it. I'm all giving. Of that. I'm giving. I'm giving this homeless guy. You know, I see the videos of the guys. Uh, what was it? Takashi Six Nine was one of the rappers. Uh, I think I saw him doing this. He he got a hundred dollar bill and he's filming himself before he went to jail recently. <laughs> he's filming himself giving out hundred dollar bills to homeless people. And I'm like, so what are you doing? So are this you doing guy, for? this guy who doesn't have any structure, right. any help, any real anything to actually be able to yeah. properly promote him to be able to take this and do something wise with it right not just give me some food i'm hungry not just right. if i have shelter somewhere right. it's like here here take this so i could be seen large sum of money yeah and then go and do whatever it could be Man. i'm like well, what is what are you doing one of my favorite features on facebook uh -huh. 
is the unfollow button. Ah, yeah. Use it all the time. (laughs) Because if you think I need to know about every aspect of your life, you get unfollowed. Yeah. If you think, and and that's the thing. So we do things in the community because it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And that's it. That's it. I know I did it. You know I did it. That's good enough. Clay, there's so many many different community activities involved in it. It's just so funny. I, I just say that I don't I don't know how many I don't know how many things I've been involved in mm-hmm. that there's been no cameras right there's been no media right and it's just I'm doing it because this is the right thing to do right you know um, it, it's it's simply it's simply when I see the guys doing it for the notoriety again I'm saying to myself you know the good deed is a reward in and of itself no question. You know, well said so. and and, you know, I have ha- I have often had problems and you know, we won't name names, but you and I know people who that is what they do. Yeah. They want to be seen doing something. They want to create a scene so that they can be seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I have a problem with that. And, you know, I, I was telling somebody this uh, a couple of weeks ago, man, that, you know, I'm not one of those guys who wants to sit in a symposium or in a panel discussion and and talk intellectually about why children are starving and all. And that, and I, that's all worth it. I'm the guy who says, let's give out a sandwich. Let's go give the kids something to eat. And I think that you because you can use both. You do need people who have an impact on systemic change. But you also need foot soldiers who say, let's just go out and do it. You need both. Action screen. Yeah. Words whisper. Man, I remember you, you said that to me before. That that's that's a winner. You know, and, and so now let's talk about you here. How long do you want to be in the DA's office? Um I'm there. I'm there until I get called to do something else. Or until you get uh, sick of uh, Hiller. Uh, no, yeah, I'm just maybe, kidding. Hiller's, 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 you know, sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> there you guy, go. Put it out. I can't stand him either. I block, it, I block and unblock his number all the you time. Know, it no. happens. He sends a lot of emails, and I'm telling you, you know, I have to I have to uh, decompress sometimes. Man, he, he he's a reader. He consumes information at a rapid yeah, pace. But, but yeah, but seriously, that, you know. No, seriously, this is the answer to that. I, uh, I evaluate my life every, when in five year increments okay you know i'm gonna be honest with you sure. and it's it's basically how i look at things i sit down with my wife and we talk about it mm-hmm. um the good thing about being a lawyer is a uh, lawyer is a career in and of itself yep um so you know we have the ability to be able to move on and go do different things mm-hmm. um in this case um i'm actually coming up close to that five year um to that five-year term to be reevaluating uh and looking at things and, um, is the judiciary an option? Yeah, uh, I, I, I'll say this. I talked to my wife about it. That is something that we're thinking about, mm-hmm. um, possibly in the near future. Uh, we do know, you know, we're not oblivious to what's going sure, on down sure. there at the 19th. We know a yep. bunch of judges have retired mm-hmm. uh, this year. We know a bunch of judges are are going to be out next year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we see what's going on We're right around that time. And um, I, I, I could see how that could be a possibility in the future. All right. Uh, we don't know when. But possibility. Don't want to nail yourself down on anything. No. Well, you can't do that, you know. So I'll I'll end with by asking you this question about that, because I think it's important, because in your professional capacity, you're dealing with judges all the time. Your definition and, and keep in mind your perspective as a prosecutor, 
But also as a citizen who's involved in the community, your perspective of an effective judge, your what you hope to see from someone on the bench is what? Um, somebody that's ready to work day one. And what I mean by that is and there's a stack of files uh-huh. in every judge's chambers, in every judge's courtroom, right, in the clerk's office. And because, unfortunately, where we are in society right now, um, while it could be my goal that I want to work myself out of a job, sure. in other words, getting out there in the community, make the right changes. We get right. the laws. We're not over policing. We're not under policing. Sure. People just stop committing crimes. Right. That's what I would love. Right. Because that means we're doing something right and we're living in this in this peaceful, That's tranquil true. But existence. if we hold our boat, if we hold our breath on that last one, yeah. we ain't going to see Thursday. We, exactly. It will be done. Right. Yeah. So but this is the thing. But as it is, these cases keep coming in. Yeah. These cases keep coming in. These yeah. cases. And I mean, they just keep rolling and keep rolling and keep rolling. What I would like to see and what, I, you know, what I think needs to be up there. We need to have judges that are ready to come in day one, mm-hmm. pick up a file. Right. Be able to look at it. Not have to take three, four months to try to figure something out and get to speed. And well, well, I don't know if I can handle this. I've never experienced this. I've never seen this. The cases that if if there's a jury trial week set the very next week, well, that's fine. We can do it. I've I, I'm experienced with juries, experienced with Allen charges, experienced with changes in the law, whatever the situation may be, the experience. And also somebody that doesn't have to necessarily take time off. Look, I, I get it. We're all human. Everybody needs to take time off uh, for certain things. You know, there's doctor's appointments, there's, there's family uh, emergencies, uh-huh. there's medical leave, whatever the case may be. But I would hope to see a judge in all of these seats that can come in ready to work from day one. Let's get to work. Let's do it. If we have to be there early in the morning, if we have to be there till late at night, let's get this stuff done. Because, again, we're dealing with humans just because even a person that's charged with a crime. And this is what I always have to say. I I remind people. And obviously, in my position now, I'm the section chief and I have attorneys that work underneath me and and even the attorneys in the office. It's always we want to remind everybody we're dealing with humans. Right. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with people. So just because somebody's a defendant, that doesn't mean that they're less than human. Right. Right. So when somebody's mom is in the audience and they come in and asking you a question, well, answer the question. You know, even if you're the prosecutor, you don't have to just necessarily say, go over there and talk to the defense attorney. Well, no, they can talk to you. They can. It's fine. You know, you can just give them a little bit of information. They don't know how the system works. Like I said, when I was pulled over on the side of the road, I had no idea about any of this stuff. Most people don't. And most people don't. Yeah. So we have to be we have to be that 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 source of information. And let's just help people out. Let's talk to people. And I feel like, again, just as earlier with barbecue Betty and cell phone Patty and whoever else, civility is lacking. Yeah. Sometimes we can just talk to our neighbors and, you know, we might be able to solve some of our problems. But that's the same thing if you as a supervisor, anybody that's an employer, anybody that's ever had employees. I think most employers will 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 they appreciate if there's an issue between two employees, if they can talk to each other yeah. as adults yep. and they might be able to work it out without yep. bringing it to the to yep. the employer. You know, that's one on one. That's a lost art right now. Will. that's a lost art. People being able to just even disagreeing. Sure. I think it, 
I just think it's a lost art, people being able to talk. And so sometimes those of us who have the wherewithal to not be afraid of confrontation are willing to call someone, whether it be a friend or somebody we've done something with, say, hey, man, everything good? We got a problem? Because I'm big on that because I like closure. Sure. And you can't get it if you walk around being angry at and, one another and, and never talk. And let me add this. This is this is the thing that's even missing from that because, all right, well, somebody that's listening right now, they'll be like, well, Will Jordan said, I need to go over there and I can I need to confront this dude. No, no, who's, who's no, da, da, da. no, no, no. <laughs> there is a way yes. of doing yes. things, right? Yes, yes. One of the, look, I'm gonna tell you this. There's one thing that I pride myself on. I look, Hillary, Hillary, Hillary's a lot. I try to read. Yeah. Look, if I read a quarter as much as he does, it's it's, it's good. <laughs> but I try to read uh, different books that are on uh, communication. Sure. Um, on on uh, just basic. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Relaying ideas uh-huh. and uh-huh. getting points across, et cetera. I also look at different YouTube videos and all that good stuff. Look, I look at some of the great comedians, sure. orators, whatever. And one common thing that I pick up from all of most of these folks is you have to be a good listener, right? Yep. In order to be a good listener, sometimes you have to, you have to change your perspective. Uh-huh. So when it comes to communicating certain issues with somebody, you need to take a step back for a second. Let me put myself in your shoes. Let me think about it from your angle. Right. And see how something that I've said or done could have been misconstrued. Look, 95 percent of the problem is a lack of communicating. Right. No question. Or communicating poorly. No I question. said this. You took it this That's way. Right. You said that I took That's it this right. way. So when we change perspective for a second and then we can come in and we can communicate from a level of understanding. Right. With empathy. Right. That's when I think things get done. Humility builds what arrogance tears down. I love it. And it's just the truth. Going in humble, we can build a bridge to understanding. Like you just said, listening. If you're going in thinking, I'm not wrong, I don't care what you say. I'll sit here and listen to you, but I know I'm not wrong. This this has no shot. To go back to, go back to what you said about a judge, that's the thing about a judge, too. Um, I, I, I do want to add that. If a judge has the ability to change his mind, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Because I think, like anybody, if you're presented new information, sure. in my opinion, can change. Sure. But it's supposed to work that but way. it's supposed <laughs> to work that way. Exactly. Exactly. All right, y'all. Will Jordan, ADA, here in uh, East Baton Rouge Parish. Got a bright future ahead. I think we talked about and covered a lot of ground, man. We'll have to do one, once it's not uh, 330 degrees outside and we hit the road again for another canvas, you can come back. Well, I won't be wearing a suit. Dude. If oh, we, man. When we're going back out listen, there, I, I made that mistake he, last time. Listen, so. I, I was one of the first ones who made that. But see, I know what happened. I was the, I almost sweat smooth through mm-hmm. a suit at, at a, canvas, a canvas. And the thing was... When you get out there, you're out there, and you don't really have a change. You want to get out of the jacket, but you've sweated through Hard that shirt, so now i got to keep this jacket on. I'm going to look like a fool out there, you know? <laughs> but look, you, but listen, I ain't afraid. But the chief it. was out there and went and found a shirt in his car so he can get out of his chief, suit. Chief found one. So, I mean, you know, I told him, uh, look, I saw him the other night. I said, look, I'm going to have to pull you to the side. We're going to have to have a conversation. You left me out there looking like that, but that's all right. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. 
That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue. And I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. This is The Clay Young Show. Enjoy talking to Will. Got good perspective. And a very, very interesting story. In fact, as I mentioned in the open, we talked... I guess about two weeks ago, we recorded that, and one of the most amazing conversations happened after the fact, when he and uh, Terrence Lockett were sitting here with me, and we were, I don't know, chatting about something, and I brought up the phrase Dixie Cup. Some of you out there know what I'm talking about. I guess it's like frozen ice in other places, and we call it Dixie Cup here, and we had a rather entertaining about why they're wrong about those things not being called Dixie Cup. Like that, lock it. Anyway, Will's a, Will's a smart, smart guy, and you got a chance to hear his perspective. And that, that's interesting how he says he took the opportunity to get into the legal system, but from the perspective of a prosecutor and not a defense attorney. And his, his really his heart for seeing that the law is upheld while also wanting to make certain that it works right for everyone else is just an interesting perspective. And so I enjoyed the conversation. I think about, as we record this a couple of weeks ago, I spent some time with retired Los Angeles police detective Tom Lang. He was in New Orleans for an event called Crime Con, like Comic-Con, but it's about these high-profile crime cases that happen, and the National Law Enforcement Museum was the reason he was in New Orleans. And he and I are going to talk again because, as many of you know, this month marked the 25th anniversary of the murders of Ron Goldman and Nicole Brown. And also the 25th anniversary of the slow speed Bronco chase that happened right during run of the games of the NBA finals between the Rockets and the Knicks, which was I I remember watching that in real time, having no clue about anything involving OJ Simpson. So we are going to get Detective Lang on next week. We're working to confirm that now that is tentatively set to be the show next week and we're going to be taking the show on the road to record that more details about that once we lock all of everything in so it's been fun listen don't forget you can follow me on twitter at clay young br on facebook clay young on instagram clay underscore young br the necessary existence of social media which by the way twitter welcomed to its group of users one O.J. Simpson, who in his first ever video tweet ended it with the phrase, I got a lot of getting even to do. 
Just wanted to sit that there for a second. And then went on a couple of days later to talk about why we should not believe that Khloe Kardashian is his daughter. Quote, she's not mine. <laughs> Man. Could you imagine if John Wilkes Booth or Lee Harvey Oswald had access to Twitter? Well, never mind. Anyway, we're working on that one for next week's episode of the show and a really, really huge addition coming to the podcast 225 Family. That is amazing. We've grown with shows on the site, but this one is something special, and I don't believe it's being done anywhere else in the country. The deets on that are on the way for you so stay tuned and thank you for listening to the clay young show right here on podcast 225.com thanks for listening join us next week for another edition of the clay young show